I want to continue with uh, the message from this morning. Isaiah 9-2, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light they that dwelled in the land of the shadow of death. Upon them hath the light shined. And then Jesus in John 8-12, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And we spent the bulk of our time looking at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 30. Speaking of Jesus Christ, God has made Him unto us, or made Him to us, our wisdom, our righteousness, our sanctification, and our redemption. And so what does it mean for us to walk in the light of life? Well, it means that Christ is our wisdom. As far as answering the question, how shall we stand before a holy God? The answer is Christ. As far as answering the question, how is it that I will navigate life in a dark and dying world? The answer is Christ and His Word. As it relates to our righteousness, how is it that we will endure as we try to stand before a holy God and live before Him in joy and in endurance? And the question, I mean, the answer is through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. How is it in a world where we still wrestle with the flesh and the world and the devil that we can have joy and certainty and it's through the righteousness of Christ? And then our purpose. Um, uh, what is it that will uh, help us um, navigate what it is that the Lord has for us? What's the purpose of our being here? And the answer to that is to be conformed to the image of Christ, to the praise of His glory. And so it's, uh, it's again following, following after His will uh, for our lives. We're pursuing holiness rather than being conformed to the world. Now, the last one, out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, He is our redemption. He is our redemption. We said this earlier, but there's some overlap between these categories. All of these things are, are what we've received in Christ, and walking in these things is what it means to walk in the light of life, the light that accompanies the life that we have in Christ. And so redemption, He is our redemption, it is walking as if you've been bought with a price rather than following your heart. What does it mean to walk in the light of life? You know, the, the New Testament is um, uh, pretty consistent with uh, the description of the, the natural man, the description of um, what the saints were and how they lived. And one of the common threads that's brought up again and again and again and again is you, you walked according to your lusts. You walked according to your desires. Your mind was darkened and you walked according to your passions or your desires. Well, redemption, the fact that Christ is our redemption, you know, redemption just simply means we have been purchased out of the slave market of sin 
It means, brothers and sisters, we've been bought with a price. And there's some practical implications to that. So 1 Corinthians chapter 6, one of those passages where this phrase would show up. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Starting in verse 19, Paul says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So if He is our redemption, and that means that we've been bought or purchased with His blood, then where Paul goes here and where we ought to go in our own mind is you are not your own. You don't belong to you anymore. You belong to Him. We are not free to follow our hearts, to follow our desires. We're not free to do that because we no longer belong to us. We've been bought through the blood of Christ. So, this is the the fact, the light, the reality um, of redemption that the world and the flesh and the devil will try to distort or get you to dismiss in your heart and mind. This reality that you're not yours anymore. You don't get to live a life of independence. You're not, uh, you're not a, um, special, unique individual that the Lord just wants to see flourish in and of yourself. It's not God's plan for you. Uh, God purchased you so that He could redirect all of that. The problem was all of that. you know, the, the, the message really of the world, and in some ways it's infiltrated much of, of Christianity, is uh, this deal that you are just so special that God died for you and had to have you for Himself. Well, the reality is, the reason God had to die for you is because you thought you were so special that you were more important than Him. This idea of being special was the problem. Now, that doesn't discount the fact that each one of us has been given unique gifts and we've been created in the image of God and we have, um, we have, uh, uh, unique, uh, giftings and, and, and those kinds of things. But it does mean those gifts have been given to us so that we might turn around and participate in the kingdom of God and serve the church of God. Those gifts were never meant to put me or you on a pedestal. They were meant to be used to serve other people within the kingdom and within the church. So, this category of He is our redemption, because He's the one who has purchased us out of the slave market of sin, this really, this, this light, 
this category is our security. When I say security, I mean if we can remind ourselves that we are not our own, it will keep us safe from wandering into all kinds of ditches that that flow from just self-centeredness, really. Um, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, guard your heart with all diligence. From it flow the issues of life. Okay, we're, again, we're thinking about desires. You better guard those. You better guard what you treasure. You better guard what you nurture and, 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 and feed about your motivations and drives and desires, all those kinds of things. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, you, you, you know this one about the heart. It's uh, deceitful, it's desperately wicked. Who can know it? And we better keep a guard on it. Because your heart, again, we, we don't grow out of this until glory. Your, your heart will convince you, if you're not careful, that you're the one everybody ought to be admiring, listening to, serving. That you're the one who's done so much and endured so much and sacrificed so much and the Lord owes you more. Now, you would never say that in a in a church service, but Satan knows how to put that bait on a hook that you can't see. You're the one who's been so faithful, and why is it that the Lord has allowed this, that, or the other? Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus tells us that if any man would come after me, he must deny himself take up His cross daily, and follow after Me. Now what that means is, you must put self to death daily. Jesus, we, we've said this about some of the other ones, but it's, it's true here as well. Denying yourself and taking up your cross is not a one and done. You don't just do it one time and your flesh is, is taken care of. It's a day by day, moment by moment. You may do, you may be doing just fine. You know how this goes. You're doing just fine. And then what a difference five minutes can make. What a difference one comment can make. What a difference one person can make. What a difference a couple of hours of missed sleep can make. Right? What a difference a whole lot can make. We've got to daily be putting our flesh to death. Because we live inside of this reality that I am not my own. My heart is not my God. I've been called to function above how I feel and, and what I desire. So Colossians chapter 1 helps us here. Colossians chapter 1, if we're walking in the light of life, then we're walking in this reality. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. 
Colossians 1.12, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And so this reality that we've been delivered from the powers of darkness and we've been translated, we've, we've been placed inside of the kingdom of His dear Son, and that's where we are to function. That's where we are to live. So there really is a, a twofold reality for us. We do live in this low ground of sin and sorrow. That is true. But brothers and sisters, we also live in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We also live in, in a kingdom that's growing and growing and growing and growing. We live under the rule and reign of the King of kings and Lord of lords. And He expects His subjects, He expects the citizens of His kingdom to submit to His authority. And that's what this redemption is all about, at least as we're thinking about it right now. Being purchased out of the slave market of sin. Or Ephesians Chapter 5, let's say it a little differently. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 could be used as a really a theme verse to sum up the whole book of Ephesians. First half of that would be uh, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. The last part of that verse could be 4, 5, and 6. Uh, it's, it's an all-encompassing verse. In a, it's just it, all these truths succinctly stated. You were sometimes darkness. That's what you were. But now, are ye light in the Lord? You've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. You've been bought out of the slave market of sin and you've been set free in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So walk as children of light. That is, live your life in light of this reality. You're not your own, you're His. You're no longer in darkness, you're in light. He says walk in a way that's consistent with that. And then Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. We've talked about these categories before, but when... when um, any individual is brought into the kingdom, regenerated and converted. They've been delivered from the, the penalty of sin. They've been delivered from the power of sin, not yet from the presence of sin. Okay, that's common, but it's not yet. And Romans chapter 6 talks about how do we, how do we function in that reality. Um, it would be great wouldn't it, if 
when we were delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son, that that meant all the temptations were gone. That, that, that all the attraction to sin was done away with. But that doesn't fit with our purpose, which is sanctification. God doesn't do away with all of that at once. He grows us out of that and ultimately in glory does away with it. But you don't all of a sudden just lose your taste for sin. You don't all of a sudden just lose the attraction to temptation and pride, those kinds of things. But here's what Paul says in in Romans chapter 6 that's very helpful in verse 15. What then? Well, verse 14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then, verse 15, shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. Okay, so that's kind of a mouthful. But essentially Paul says, you are, uh, you are under grace. And then the question is, since we're under grace, does that mean that we can go on sinning? God forbid. And then he gives us this principle that whoever you yield yourself up to, his slave you are, or his servant. The point that he's making here is that um, you are the slave of who you choose to yield to. Sin is always a choice. It's, it's a, sometimes it's a very powerful temptation. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, it's not as easy as having a uh, a non emotionally uh, completely detached choice of whether to sin or not. As far as just just a complete logical, that's not it. Sin knows how to entangle, or at least temptation knows how to entangle its tentacles into your heart, make it look so attractive, make it look as if it's so powerful that you can't help but yield yourself to it. The world, the flesh, the devil, they've been doing it a lot, lot longer than you've been alive. They know how to convince you that this is my only option. But 1 Corinthians 10.13 tells us a different story. God always makes a way of escape. And Romans chapter 6 lets us know that even in the midst of heavy temptation, you have the choice to yield yourself to righteousness rather than unrighteousness. Why? Because Christ is your redemption. That's why. He's broken the power of sin over you. You no longer have to remain enslaved to its power. But you can yield yourself up to sin and you can enslave yourself to sin if you choose to do that. But those who are walking in the light of life recognize I've been redeemed. I've been bought with a price. I've been bought out of this slave market, this bondage, this captivity. 
And I've become a servant of the living God. And so 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 5 says, You are the children of light. Brothers and sisters, that's part of what it means to be redeemed. It's not that you might be. It's not that you could be. It's that you are. That's your identity. That's who you've become because of what Christ has done for you. So I'll end in 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, again, walking in the light of Christ our redemption. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, This then is the message which we have heard of Him, and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. We say that we have fellowship with Him and we walk in darkness. We lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What does it mean to walk in light of your redemption? Well, it means that, that, that you recognize that God is light and in Him is no darkness. And if we're going to walk with God, we're going to have to walk in the light. God will not walk in the darkness. As a matter of fact, in the incarnation, Jesus entered into our dark world and into our darkness and bore that on the cross so that we could walk in the light with Him. Then when we do fall, when we do sin, which is inevitable, when we do, out of weakness, fall to temptation, we've got something that we can do with that. That does not knock us out of uh, the possibilities of walking in the light. The question really is not if you sin, it's when you sin. And when you sin, John says we can take that sin and we can confess it. Because when we do that, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. Based on what? Well, He's faithful based on the fact that He's begun a work in you through the regenerating and converting power of the Holy Spirit and the Word as far as conversion goes. And then He's also righteous or just to forgive you because that sin's already been paid for. That was already laid on Christ. And your account has been wiped clean. Well, brothers and sisters, walking in the light of those things, those realities, is what it means to walk in the light of life. And so again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, if we would not walk in darkness, but walk in the light of life, then we recognize Christ has been made unto us wisdom. He's our compass. He is our way to God. And he is our wisdom for life. He has been made unto us righteousness. We do not stand before God in our own strength or, in our, or based on our own merits. It's always through the righteousness of Christ. In order for God to get fed up with you, He has to get fed up with Christ. And that will never happen. Third, we 
walk in the light of life as we recognize that the purpose that God has for each of us is our sanctification. That we would grow, we are set apart to grow more and more like Christ, holy in the Lord. And then fourth, walking in the light of life, recognizing you've been redeemed. He is your redemption. You've been purchased out of the slave market of sin so that sin is no longer your master and you can yield yourself up to God. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, as we think about these realities in 1 Corinthians 1.30, these, uh, these are big realities. Um, Father, we, uh, we could say a lot about them and uh, it would take us uh, forever to try to exhaust the, the riches of this little succinct verse. And so, Father, I just pray that you would use your spirit uh, to apply these realities to our hearts. Bless us to know individually uh, what it means, what, it, what you require of us as we seek to walk in the light of life. And then, Father, bless us to know that what you've called us to is a life of freedom, a life of joy, and a life of victory as we walk in the light of life. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.